Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The Bond looking to get close side of Bond. LeBondra away from David! 3-1 running! Three points ready. Hello, hello, hello. My name is not Matthew Williamson. It's Jacob Southcline, and you're listening to the Elm Park Royals preview podcast. We're going to be talking all things ahead of Nottingham Forest at the weekend today with me, a newcomer to podcast land, and uh, and James Earnshaw, who is also filling Benji Nurek's um, not-so-small um, shoes um, over at the Reading Chronicle. Uh, good evening, James. How are you doing? Hi, Jacob. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm all right. I've just, I thought I just about got over Millwall from the other day, and then I had a nosebleed this afternoon. Genuinely. <laughs> I, was stood at a bu- I stood at a bus stop, and my nose started pouring, and I can only imagine it was because I was reliving that Jake Cooper header. Um, from <laughs> from the weekend, uh, but um, we're going to briefly touch upon the misery that was the Millwall game with you, James, and then move on to talking about the Nottingham Forest game, uh, which you know I'm a little bit dreading because they've been in pretty deadly form. And uh, and in the meantime, uh, we're going to also uh, talk about some press conference news, um, some new signings. Whoa, exciting! <laughs> And, uh, and also some, some local red news, because as you know, the Old Park Royals uh, podcast is in association with the good people over at Blue Collar Street Food. They have also launched a new mm. gig or are launching a new gig in the coming days. Um, so it's, it's all go, go, go. It's uh, new times on the podcast, new times in Reading. Let's hope that things change on the pitch uh, too. So uh, let's start by uh, talking to you, James, about... Um, what what your pedigree is because you're you're doing your trainee <laughs> journalist thing over at the Chronicle, yeah. Uh, but you're a Reading lad, born and bred. Uh, talk us through your introduction to Reading Football Club and how they've treated you over the years. Yeah, so um, I'm um, born and bred Reading, Tarhurst. Um, I went oh, yeah. to big up. yeah, big up Tarhurst. Mm-hmm. Not the Tarhurst, then though, unless there's some rivalry there. <laughs> but um, no, from Tarhurst. Um, and then went to Derby Uni to do football journalism, uh, which is the only football 
journalism course uh, in the world, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> um, so that was that was quite good. Um, mm. And then sort of the last three or four years, I've been doing work experience with the Reading Chronicle and did a bit with Berkshire Live and then COVID hit and then I graduated yeah. and then I suddenly just got shot out into the world of work, uh, applied for a job at the Chronicle and, and thankfully got it. And that was in current affairs and news. Um, but I was allowed to sort of help Benji and go in and sort of make sure I was staying in football. Um, and then he kind of quickly left, quicker than we, I think we all imagined. Um, yeah. And then I've kind of got to step in now and, and fill his shoes. Yeah, and uh, talking about Benji Neurick, who's appeared on this venerable podcast a couple of times, um, what was it like working with the Neurick? Because obviously his, he um, he had come from from across the pond. He was an American and um, very, very good at what he did and imagine, you know, quite inspiring to work with. But also mm. you're approaching this from the point of view that you, you are a Reading fan. And uh, I am told on the grapevine that you you know your Reading stuff um, more than most people. So uh, what was it like working with with the Newark? Oh, no, it's brilliant, to be fair. I mean, his I've not known someone to be quite so well-rounded as him in that all mm. these Twitter spaces just blew up. You know, no one yeah. ever heard of him, and suddenly Benji does him, and now everybody loves him. You know, it's someone to be able to write the way he writes. You know, he, he can do all of it. And um, although he wasn't a fan when he came in, the passion that he managed to kind of show throughout and then by the time he's left i think reading will definitely have left an imprint on him going forward yeah yeah we're gonna miss him but also he seems to have this knack for coming into clubs in in crisis because he was at charlton yeah. before <laughs> coming to reading i think it took him like about a month and maybe two months for him to see his first win i think he only saw <laughs> and, two or three wins yeah, I mean that just says it all, doesn't it? But but um the times they are a changing. Uh Benjamin gone, long live Jane Burnshaw, and uh looking forward to having you uh on, on this podcast and also many podcasts uh to come. Let's briefly, just so we can just consign it to the rubbish bin of history, uh wrap up the fallout from the Millwall game because uh wasn't a particularly inspirational one. Um, I was amazed we managed to get about 40 minutes of content out of it on the um, weekend <laughs> part. Um, obviously, same old story about an ex-Royal scoring mm. from a corner. Um, just it's it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? So, um, James, what was your take on, on Millwall? What do you think went wrong? Um, are you as miserable about it as I am? Well, first things first, I Benji will vouch for this. I turned to him at the beginning of the game and said, 1-0, last-minute Jake Cooper. Now, I didn't get the last-minute bit, but having seen enough of Reading down the years, it had Jake Cooper written all over it. Um, I was surprised Benekophobia didn't score, but then again, he had a very good game, to be fair, sort of all rounds. He let, I thought he linked play incredibly, uh, Benekophobia. Um, and then Piercy didn't, didn't come off the bench. Otherwise, it would have been two or three if Piercy and Ophobia had notched. But um, now, it's, it's one of those weird ones, because I thought first half, we actually didn't do that bad. I thought we defensively the improvement was was there to be seen much tighter um but then second half we just kind of went off the boil kind of created a few half chances but we never once sort of looked like we're gonna score um so yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one it's one of those championship games that we've seen all the so many times this season where it's just swung on one decision and it could so easily have swung the other way if we just kept our cool or just had that one player step up and create that one little bit of spark but yeah that was missing well completely and you, you you mentioned about you know creating a spark and and you know 
moments of individual inspiration. Traditionally, this Reading team, this cohort of players, have been a team of individuals. Mm. In that the likes of Lucas Zhao, John Swift, uh, Yaku Mate, on their day, all it takes is one little bit of brilliance, and all of a sudden, you know, we we, we can occasionally get a result that way. And then you have games like Millwall when none of the none of the players who are capable of those little moments of brilliance really did turn up. I mean, yeah. whenever Swift um, has a bit of an off day, we all have a bit of an off day. Uh, Zhao had um, a chance. Very quiet. Um, uh, yeah, very quiet. Had a chance, didn't put it away. And, you know, it's, it's what could have been, really. I, you mentioned Alex Pierce, by the way. I'd completely forgotten he was at Millwall. It's um, they've, <laughs> he's club captain. They've oh yeah, I mean, honestly, he's assembled. Um, they've assembled a, a motley band of former royals. Um, of course, I think they also had John Daddy Bodvarsson at some point. He's gone. Yeah, and George Scotland Evans came off the bench on Saturday. There as well. you go. So um, maybe Millwall have just won the Reading FC all along. And maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe those fans that came to the like, stadium were trying to live a bit of. A... Yeah, they can keep Gary. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was Millwall. Another another loss uh, for for the boys in blue and white. Um, but I hadn't appreciated just how uh, brilliant form Millwall were in prior to that mm. game. They they'd won a few on the on the trot, and um, it's not getting any easier for us because now we have the prospect of playing Nottingham Forest at the weekend, who are in equally sizzling form. I mean, they've just mm. had a a brilliant brilliant FA Cup win uh, against Huddersfield, who are second in the league. Um, and they're into the quarterfinals. But in all, all competitions, they're unbeaten seven. And, you know, we're struggling to put points on the board. I mean, are you feeling particularly worried about it? Do you have a sense of trepidation? Because, it, I mean, they've made a, a managerial change nice and early in the season and yeah. they're really reaping the rewards of it, aren't they, James? Yeah, that's the frustrating bit, is that they were just in a similar position to us, you know, a few months ago they made a decent appointment and now they've shot right up and you just think what could have been if we sort of got our heads screwed on and maybe I don't know about the finances with the manager but if we could have gone out and got a manager that could have strung together results and could have been proven in the league um yeah I, I, I don't really get worried about any game in the championship because you never you do, there's always that feeling that you never know but it's not a game I'm going into with any sort of hope that we might win I mean I can't remember the last time we won at Forest anyway <laughs> let alone when they're actually playing well well, that's it. I mean, we we scraped a draw at home earlier in the season. Scott mm. Dan, you know, good old Scott, who has signed on the dotted line again for next season, which is, yeah. in my opinion, a, a, a plus. But I don't know, Forest, um, Forest worry me a little. I mean, like you say, the championship's full of free results. We beat Fulham earlier in the season. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they've they've got a couple of danger men as well. Um, Ryan Yates seems to be bagging them in. For, for them and yeah, which is weird because so to think the way where he plays and and the, the type of player he is, you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, completely. But equally, we've had our fair share of of, of weirdly proficient um, non-attacking <laughs> goal scorers in the past. Yeah. Ian Hart. Uh, so yeah, that's that's Forest. Um, the you are uniquely positioned in your work with the Reading Chronicle in that you get to attend press conferences, which the average fan like me doesn't get to do. So it's a bit of a treat, and I'm very jealous. Um, <laughs> you managed to speak well, or were in attendance when Paul Ince was talking earlier in the week. What were some of the talking points to come from that? Because obviously he's he's mentioned uh, Yaku Mate not quite being up to speed yet. 
Um, He was um, letting on a little that we were going to sign a keeper, which, spoilers, has now happened (laughs) as of Thursday night. And uh, so what what did you make of the press conference? What really, what did you take away? Yeah, I've been to a couple of now with uh, Ince, and he comes across as a really nice guy, um, always up for a laugh. um, But he seems very realistic in that, you know, we're not a great team. We're a good team of individuals, but he, he said something's not right at this club, and uh, which I thought was quite kind of hitting the nail on the head. Something isn't right. Mm. Um, That's a, that is an down, understatement, isn't it? Yeah, it's now <laughs> down to him and other people to get to the bottom and find out you know, what it is. He also hinted that it was their mentality that was what's letting this team down, which again is something we've been crying out for for God knows how long because on paper they are a really, really strong side. If you put, you know, 11, go down the, the first 11. And I would pick, you know, most of ours over most of the opposition a lot of the time mm. on, on sort of individual quality. But then a lot of the time they come together and it just doesn't work. And I just, it's got to be down to mentality because last season, you know, we had no fans. It was literally 11 v 11 out on the grass pitch and we won more games than we lost. Um, so it, it's a difficult, it's an interesting squad. Um, and you, you just, you, mm. all we've got to do now is hope we can just get over the line this year and just focus again on next year yeah completely it's um like man for man like you say we seem to have the names on paper but as we know football sadly is not played on paper and um and with with there's so many departures as well in the summer i mean we don't know if paul Lynch is going to be in next 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 season as well because you know all this talk of him being an interim appointment he's made noises certainly in press conferences that he is here until the end of the year mm-hmm. yeah um he he another player that should be here next season unless we cash in is yakumate and yakumate did come up in in the midweek press mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fans like me were frustrated that he didn't start against Millwall and also that he just didn't get off the bench until it was too late again. And to suggest that playing 90 minutes for the under-23s doesn't necessarily mean you can go straight back in the squad again and, and play the same number of minutes in the first team. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He um, he said that he watched the game against Peterborough that people were calling out that he he played 80-odd games in the, uh, against Peterborough. And he said that he could see mm. from watching him that he wasn't anywhere near ready to play that much. But, I mean, as many people have been saying on Twitter, there's surely got to be a middle ground in between the two minutes that he got against Millwall and the 82 that he got against Peterborough and the 90 for the 23s against Wolves. There's got to be a sort of 20, 30... Because no one can make an impact in five minutes. I mean, you might be able to get on the end of a cross, but... You need a longer time to feel your way into the game, especially coming back from an, from an ACL. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we should throw him in and play him the whole game. I don't think many people are. But there's, he's got to be getting longer mm. than what he is because he can change a game. Yeah, agreed. And on that note, w- would you like to see any major changes to the lineup? For because obviously now, as we were hinting at earlier, we have the uh, the new acquisition of a uh, mm. senior goalkeeper, uh, Nilon, as I've looked up the pronunciation <laughs> for Norwegian goalkeeper Nyland. If you're um, yeah. if you're saying it the, the British way, oi oi. Um, <laughs> and uh, do you expect him to come straight into the, the the lineup ahead of Southwood? Who it's weird because obviously we've had we've had Carl Heinen from Arsenal mm. um, who managed to assert Southwood in the eleven. Now we've got Nyland coming. Start against Forest from the off. Yeah, it's. 
quite evident, isn't it, really, that Southwood isn't obviously particularly high on Ince's radar at the minute. Um, whenever he gets a chance to not play him, he doesn't seem to want to play him. Um, which I think is, is disappointing when you see academy players sort of struggling. You know, they, they need some time out. Um, but obviously with the state we're in at the minute, you know, they, they need to play through it. I mean, I think Tom Holmes has gone through a similar spell last few months where he needed to just be rested and we just couldn't afford to. And it's, you know, putting them out there week after week when they're not quite at it just seems, you know, like you're asking for trouble. Um, so I, I, I think Southwood, I don't know with it being Thursday, it might be too late for Southwood to be dropped now because um, I wouldn't imagine Leland would have any training between then and now. But... It, you, you never know with, with Paul Ince and, and with Reading in particular. They, they could throw him in. I'd like to see Southwood given another go, but I could see why, because he's made quite a few um, sort of mistakes over the last few months. Yeah, and, and it's looking like Southwood's going to be here next season, um, which would mean that, you know, sooner rather than later, he might be number one by default. So uh, goalkeeping aside, I mean, you've come in as... Uh, as the, the main man, Reading FC, all things Reading FC at the Chronicle now. And, you know, being a fan and like looking at the situation we're in over a course of time, James, where do you, where do you assign the blame? Because a lot of fans rightly point the finger at the ownership, the fact that, um, you know, Dai Young and Dai Zuli have been here a little while now and have made a succession of uh, weird business decisions and weird recruitment decisions. Uh, so there are those fans that blame the owners and then you've got the players that seem to more often than not struggle to pull their weight. And and now we've got Paul Ince, who's, who's come in with his questionable CV, having been out of football for as long as he has. You know, we're talking 2014, it was the last time he was a manager. <laughs> so, so it's this, it's this um, furore, it's this combination mm. of different problems. But where, like, what's your take? Where do you reckon we're ultimately going the most wrong overall? Uh, it's a very, very difficult question to pin. Uh, the mm. players have got to take a proportion of blame because I think they've let down a series of managers now. Um, so it can't always be the manager that's wrong that's getting sacked. These players have been bottom half players for the last, well, you know, more times than not over the last four or five, six years uh, when they shouldn't be down there. And they've proved in the odd season, like the Stam season, although there's only really Swift left now. Um, and obviously last season that, that they are good players and they should be much, much higher at the table. So the players have got to start taking some accountability rather than just put messages out on Instagram saying, I was sorry, you're gone. But, you know, you didn't seem that bothered when you weren't playing very well. Um, but then it all comes down to the owner, and I think his lack of... His, he's making the same mistakes in that he's trusting the wrong people. Um, you know, Kia takes a lot of the blame, but Kia is given this opportunity by die. So it, it, everything comes back to the owner, ultimately, and everything comes back to him making poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 like trickle down football nomics, yeah. isn't it? It all starts at the top, and and clubs with excellent, active, you know, clever, switched on owners seem to do very well. And then at Reading at the moment, we seem to have something of the opposite. So I think that assessment's probably quite quite valid. Yeah. Um, I mean, Medeski, sorry, sorry, no, you, you crack on. Yeah, Medeski never claimed to know a lot about football, but he made sure that people that knew football were in decision making. You know ability that no football hmm. if that makes i mean that sentence is completely the wrong way around but no you, you no, get, but the, I get the sentiment you um, want you want like even if you're not a football man yourself you can yeah, appoint put someone, football people to help yeah. you yeah and, and yeah. i think football is one of those industries where if you don't know football then you might struggle 
and you need the help of and obviously Dai's seen that and he thought okay Kia's you know Kia's in football he can help and evidently he's he's made the wrong choice there but whether he whether he cuts ties with Kia I I wouldn't imagine he would if they're so close no no and and obviously no shortage of people that are you know coming out in the press saying that they want to help out and you know Mm. I guess you know time will will tell in in the immediate short-term future you know next on our plate next on our radar is Nottingham our Nottingham Forest and uh who are 10th in the championship at the time of recording um you know good team well managed by Steve Cooper uh will you be at the game James yep yep um my first game on my own because like Benji was with me on Saturday for Millwall and my first time driving outside of Reading so it's a <laughs> gonna be a bit of a <laughs> uh, a mind opener having to drive up to Nottingham and some sort of stuff some insider gossip for the listeners at home. Uh, James's car has gone into Holford's this uh, afternoon. So, um, let's <laughs> yeah. hope. That... Let's, hope <laughs> so, uh, let's hope that by the time yeah. that, yeah, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, we we've just got time then for your finger on the pulse score prediction for the weekend. How do you see it panning out? Uh, I thing is with Reading team is other than Saturday, I usually see us scoring. So I think we might score one, um, but I've got no confidence whatsoever that we've got enough to keep it sort of close to be in the game. I'm going three-one Forest. Oh yeah, see right. I my 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 head says Forest are going to batter us. My heart, <laughs> <laughs> my blue and white striped heart, is saying that you know what we're due a point. And if we can get a point against Forest early doors in the season, we can get mm. a point here. I know it's a way, I know it's a tough place to go, the City Grand. Uh, I'd like to see his scrape a point in a, in an edgy one-all draw. There you go. Don't come crying to me when 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 we've lost like you know, six nil. <laughs> yeah, it's Saturday, all your fault. But Forget everything else. Yeah, it's it's, it is. It is all my. <laughs> it's usually all my fault. Let that be the one takeaway from the Elm Park Royals preview podcast today. It's always. Jacob Southcline's fault. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining us, James. Just before we uh, go, again, want to shout out Blue. No, 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 no problem. I just want to quickly shout out as well while you're here. Uh, as a fellow local Reading lad, I'm very excited that uh, Blue Collar Feed are opening uh, Blue Collar Corner this weekend uh, on the 14th. Um, they've been doing street food around Reading for many years, famously at the Mad Stad before the, the plug got pulled, mm. grr, sort it out, die. <laughs> um, and um, and yet yeah, you can you can go down to the corner of where Pavlov's dog or whatever it is called nowadays, yeah. and they've Hosier got a, a framed shack of his. That's it, Hosier Street. Well, and you're more of a, you know, clearly more of a Reading resident than I. Yeah, um, that's where the office they've is. got a... They've they've got a framed Shaka Hislop shirt on the wall, which you can admire. Um, all sorts of wonderful vendors, such as the fantastically named. Wait for it, wait for it. Heavenly Sausage. Um, <laughs> I think they're doing uh, Heavenly Sausage uh, at the marketplace this Friday. I don't know if they're going to be there on the weekend, but either way, thank you, Glenn Denning and the gang, for bringing something joyous into our Reading lives. Now we just need the football club to start doing it on the pitch. So, um, shout out Blue Collar, uh, shout out Reading Chronicle, James Earnshaw for helping us out tonight, and uh, and come on, you are. Uh, up next, we will be speaking to some venerable Nottingham Forest fans and uh. Thanks for listening, guys. See you after the break. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. Uh, immediately I have to apologise because before the break I said we were going to be joined by an assortment, a crew of Nottingham Forest fans and we're actually joined by one but we've gone for quality over quantity. Uh, Stephen Topless can do the job of three if not four Forest fans. Uh, good evening Stephen from 1865 Pod. Hello and thanks for inviting me on. You're very welcome. Um, I I, I heard that things are not so rosy health-wise at Topless HQ. You've come down with the, the dreaded coronavirus. I have indeed. It's finally got me. So here I am <laughs> isolating and just staying out of the way for a, f- a couple of days. And hopefully we'll be able to test negative in time to get to the game on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, you've got more in common with the Reading FC defensive line than than you think, because they have also been isolated and isolating for about the last six months or so. So, um, yeah, gosh, get well soon. Um, well, I'm here to cheer you up with some pre-match talk ahead of our weekend fixture, because it's that time again. We, we last um, locked horns in November and we played out a pretty middling one-all draw. Uh, Scott Dan on the score sheet for the Royals. He's just signed a new contract very recently. Um, but excitingly, away from the league, your lot have just um, bagged quite an impressive win against second-placed Huddersfield in, in the FA Cup. I know in the meantime, you've also drawn midweek. Um, but yeah, you must still be riding the crest of the wave there. I mean, like, you, you must be absolutely buzzing, and especially now you, you're coming up against Liverpool. So, yeah, talk me through that FA Cup win. Yeah, it was great on Monday night. The The atmosphere at the city ground was, was superb, as it has been all season, um, particularly since Steve Cooper arrived. The performance was very good against the Huddersfield team, who up until that game had gone 18 unbeaten, and as you say, second in the championship and flying, and they'd beaten us at our place just after Christmas. So they'd already got one over on us this season, but it was a good performance. I think on the night, Forrest did deserve to go through, created the better chances and and ultimately have gone through and and set up a a fantastic tie against Liverpool. The whole cup run has been brilliant as well. It's been long overdue. Um, Forrest's record in the cups in recent years has basically been non-existent. We just get knocked out third or fourth round without much going on. Um, the last time we were at this stage of the FA Cup was 1996, which shows you just 
how poor the how our record has been in the cups for for a long time. So, I think we're we're enjoying the cup run. It's nice to be able to to get this far in the cup and beat the likes of Arsenal and Leicester on the way. And yeah, bring on Liverpool. We've got to fancy it. Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, the last time you guys played Liverpool, so I read this afternoon, uh, was the semi-final of 1989. And I I wasn't alive. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just huge. And, and I guess the mood in the Forest fan base must be pretty upbeat at the moment. Yeah, everybody's looking forward to the games as they come. And the games are selling out. This weekend's game has sold out already. And there's a real feel-good factor back around the club. And it's it's been a long time since we've had that. We had um, a couple of seasons ago with Sabri Lamushi where we were in the playoffs and dropped out dramatically on the final day. But this time around with Steve Cooper, it feels a bit different. It feels... First of all, the football's better and it's more enjoyable to watch, but it it just feels like there's something building, there's a momentum and there's something mm. potentially special going on. And it's been a very long time since we've been able to say that about a Forest team. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, from, from an outsider's point of view, you know, such as myself, you've just reaped the rewards of, of that early season decision to, to part ways with, with the previous management and bring in Cooper, who's, like you say, injected the feel good, playing a very attractive style of football, getting the most out of the players. And uh, I saw a tweet on the 1865 Twitter account where I, I believe it's your, it was your worst league start in 108 years. And for you to have turned it around in such spectacular fashion. And now you're looking at the other end of the table. I think you're 10th at the time of recording, but really looking up rather than down. Uh, so very different fortunes between the two teams. And um, surely the the goal for you guys now has got to be the playoffs, hasn't it? Definitely. Now, now we're up there. Just see if we can get in them. Um, obviously, if you'd offered this to us at the beginning of the season, particularly after the start we'd made, where we were bottom after seven games. I don't think anyone would have believed you, the, the turnaround and the transformation that's largely come about with the same group of players. Cooper did make some signings in January who have all contributed and have really settled in the likes of Steve Cook, Keenan Davis, Sam Surridge. But the vast majority of this team is a team that he's inherited and a team that at the start of the season looked more like relegation fodder than than top six material. So the job he's done is, has just been unbelievable. And the way that he's he's got the club, he's connected with Forrest and fans. It, yeah, it's just remarkable, really. And I think we're at a case now, yes, we'd, it'd be great to get in the playoffs, but if we don't, we have to remember where we came from at the beginning of the season and the mess that we were in. And what, whatever happens at the end of the season, we're in a much better place to, to build and, and kick on next season. Yeah, plenty of room for optimism going forward. You brought up the the squad, and I want to touch upon that because what makes your recent form all the more impressive from my point of view? Because I believe you're unbeaten in seven in all competitions, but all of that for for a little while. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has been whilst Lewis Graben, who is captain and former Royal, um, hopelessly and woefully misused by Yarp Stam, I must add. Um, he's uh, he's been absent for you. He's been injured. 
um, and yeah, top scorer as well for a few weeks. Yeah. Hmm. So the, the top fact scorer, that yeah, mint... and he he's. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say. So I was going to say he's the more... a talisman, and then... yeah, <laughs> it, it's completely talismanic. And twelve goals, um, and in his absence, you've had other players step up, like unlikely sorts of goals, such as, I mean, Ryan Yates. You know, defensively minded player um, is is popping them in for fun at the moment. So um, goals don't seem to be a, a problem, right? Yeah, to be fair, the team has really stepped up with in terms of goal scoring since Graben's absence. We were all worried with that injury that the goals would dry up. And Keenan Davis, who's on loan from Aston Villa, he he's come in and he's been a real presence up front. He's chipped in with a few goals, but he's perhaps not quite as prolific as Graben. But he's helped to to fill that void in terms of link-up play and presence as, as a lone striker. Sam Surridge got his first goal the other night against Huddersfield, but other players in the team are chipping in with goals. Brennan Johnson has, has scored a few in his last couple of games. You mentioned as well Ryan Yates. He's scored in his last two. He also scored a big equaliser against Stoke a couple of weeks ago, deep into injury time. And he's a player who really... He's... um a great example of what Steve Cooper's done in terms of transformation because Yates has always been a solid, hardworking player, perhaps not the most technically gifted. And he has been criticised for that by Forest fans in the past, perhaps because he's not the, the flashiest or the most eye-catching of players. But under Steve Cooper, he's transformed. His passing has improved. His control of the ball, the positions he takes up, and now he's he's finding the back of the net as well. He always had a knack of getting into good positions, but never had the composure or the nous to to put chances away. Uh, but now he, he he's confident in the box. He's getting his headers in, and and he's chipping in with goals. And he's really becoming a very important player for us. Yeah, it's, I'm quite jealous because Reading haven't had a manager for a while who has been able to improve players that have already been at the club. We've um because of the turnover of of managers we've we've had. Well, I mean no Reading manager seems to last more than a year and a half maximum in the last decade. Um it means that we don't have a manager like Steve Cooper who is able to draw out the best out of players. We almost have to rely on the pre-existing so-called individual brilliance that they may or may not have the likes of Lucas Zhao who can just turn a match on its on its head if he if he's in the mood, um, whether he's in the mood or not, you know, is or whether he's fit or not is an, is another question. He's in, been in quite good form for us recently. Same for John Swift, who we're really going to miss next season. So I guess the question is, looking at both teams going into the weekend, are there any players such as Swift or Zhao who have mentioned um, that worried Forest fans because? I mean, <laughs> it's easy for me to say as a Reading fan because I know we're not doing very well, but I'll be intrigued to, to if, if you're jealous in any way of anyone that we've got in our books because um, I, I, it, Paul Ince came in and said that he wasn't worried about our attack. Does our attack worry you? I think there's quality in the 
Reading attack. I mentioned his name when I came on last season, and I'll mention it again. John Swift, he's he's a class act, and he's the player that I'd be most concerned about in the Reading ranks. He's he's had success against Forest in the past, and he's just such a good player at this level that you've always got to be wary of of him when you're playing against him with his technique and his, his ability to to score goals from midfield. So for me, he's always the danger player and the fact he's he's scored a few against us in the past kind of helps as well because players they some players always seem to have a knack of playing well against certain teams or certain teams that they tend to do well against and I get the feeling Swift has that with Forrest he always seems to turn mm-hmm. up against us and it, and also to, to put another question if there was a Reading player that I could take from the Reading side and put into the Forest team, it would be John Swift. I think he's just such a quality player. So he's the one I'd be looking out for. Lucas Zhao as well. I, th- I think he scored against Forest before. He's a real handful and obviously really, really good striker at this level. Um, I- I've heard that he might be missing the game through illness or something. I don't don't know if that's true, but it might be a big boost for us if he is because he's the kind of striker that we've typically struggled against in the past yeah you're spot on we've uh, out of the midweek press conference um we, we were talking earlier to james earnshaw from the reading chronicle shout out um he's he was there with paul Ince and paul Ince says that he he might well will this is this has been the story of our season by the way Stephen. we just can't seem to keep a fit 11 for any stretch of time um so it'll be a big miss if showers out but you're spot on about swift i mean he he's into double digits for goals and assists for us um, I've read some statistics that he's one of the most um, has some of the most goal contributions in in England in any league, and which won't surprise me. He's in the mood this this year, and and it's coincided with him being out of contract too. And a few Premier League teams are sniffing, so we'll have to see where he ends up. But um, going back to what we were talking about earlier about. You know, both our teams have changed managers this season. Your lot changed earlier and pressed pressed the reset button than we did. What have you made from the outside of all this Paul Ince malarkey? Because we've got a a manager who was touted by the club as being an interim appointment that appears to be here until the end of the season at least. He's got his son for the third time in his career at the same club and he's managing a family member which is always a bit of an an awkward thing anyone that's worked with a sibling in a department store can probably relate uh (laughs) um so you know it's uh, we're probably both agreed right it's a weird situation and and a weird appointment given that he's not managing eight years bit of a local link to nottingham that about a decade ago or so emos county had a very ill-fated spell at notts county um so I guess to pick your brains, what do you make of it all? Because are you just as bemused as Reading fans are by the Paul Ince thing? Yeah, a bit baffled by it. And when I saw the announcement that Ince was appointed, I was looking at my phone thinking, really? Where, where's that come from? And like you say, he's not managed for eight years. And on that basis alone, I wouldn't have thought that a team, particularly in Reading's position where they need to get themselves away from the bottom three, that they would go for a manager who hasn't managed for the best part of a decade. Uh, yeah, it seemed like a strange one. And my thought was, surely there must have been managers out there available who, who are 
probably better and a bit more qualified to take the job on than than Paul Ince. The only thing is the Tom Ince connection, the reason why he's got the job is has Tom had a word or something? That's the only only reason I could come up with really for for Ince being on the radar in the first place. Yeah, like definite shenanigans because I think there was less than a fortnight between Tom coming in and then his dad coming in. <laughs> and it's <laughs> you're not telling me that's coincidence. So yeah, and, and there are all these stories in the press about how apparently the players are, are ribbing Tom over it, saying, you know, what's all this about? Um, so, I mean, on the face of it, Ince, prior to Tom Ince, that is, that this gets confusing very quickly. It's, it's very annoying. Um, Tom Ince was doing all right, really, up until the point that, that Paul's coming. It's a bit weird now because he just seems very reluctant to ever substitute his son, unless we're really, really deep into the game. Uh, another danger man, Yakumate, couldn't really get on the pitch at the weekend, which was a big surprise. He's just coming back from injury, but we would have expected him to have got more time on the pitch than Ince, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's reassuring to know that it, it, you think it's just as balmy as, as we do. I mean, hopefully we can we can grind out a, a, a win or two whilst he's here. Um, bit of a cheap appointment. I don't think one of those wins is going to come on Saturday, however, against your lot, which leads me on to the next question of putting your money where your mouth is, what's your score prediction for the weekend, Stephen? Because um, I put my neck on the line earlier by saying, I think we might squeak a point. Only because we're prone to a weird result. We somehow inexplicably beat Fulham earlier in the season, who are now running away with the league. Forest away seems like the sort of game on paper where we might just surprise ourselves and nick a point. What do you think? You've, I mean, you've had some good results at our place down the years. I think just given the the difference in team's position and form at the moment, I would, I'd say the way Forest are playing, they're, they're not as complacent and certainly not as prone to slipping up as previous Forest teams. Uh, we've only lost four times since Steve Cooper came in. So I, th- I think a 2-0 to Forest would be would be my prediction. With with the way we're playing and with, with Cooper in charge, that complacency has been stamped out. And there's a real a real drive within the squad and a desire to, to achieve something this season. So I think they will, with respect, look at Reading's position and see this as an opportunity to, to get the three points and, and keep up the charge for the top six. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see how it pans out on the weekend. It should be a good game. Um, good luck, but not too much good luck. Um, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season as well, Stephen. Like, thanks so much for coming on. Just as a, a quick, um, well, a, a lighter note before you depart. I've always had a soft spot for Forest because my mum was born in Nottingham, and um, a some of the darker times of my life in Nottingham too. Because one time I got really rat ass at the bodega in Nottingham. <laughs> and uh, ended up doing a wee on the Robin Hood statue at about midnight. So um, I've, I've, yeah, terrible, <laughs> like a proper away fan behaviour that. So, but yeah. thanks again to <laughs> Stephen and also the rest of the lads over at 1865 Podcast. Make sure that you guys at home go and follow them 
on Twitter. They do put out some some great stuff if you want to see how Forest are getting on now and later in the season. Who knows? There might be Premier League next season. So, you know, get following. That's uh, 1865 podcast on Twitter. Uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Uh, this has been Jacob Southcline, Stephen Topless, James Earnshaw. Thanks for listening. Take care. Cheerio.